Hello, and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. Uh, This is Tom Reed, and I am being joined by Taylor Haas, who is in Buffalo, and Dave Molinari. And uh, we'll later in the show be joined by Boston Globe's esteemed writer, Kevin DuPont. But uh, let's get right to it, gang. the Penguins win their fourth straight, uh, five to two, on Thursday night against the hapless Buffalo Sabers. But you know what? They all count the same in the standings. Um, Taylor, you were at the game last night. Uh, what's your What's your first takeaway uh, from this win? Yeah, the very uh, maybe the first half of the first period, I thought it was a lot closer than uh, I think we anticipated coming into this game, given how the Sabres have been playing and their predicament. You know, no Eichel and all that. But um, I mean, in the end, just uh, really a complete effort uh, all the way through the lineup. I mean, the the fourth line shipping, and I thought this was the fourth the best the fourth line has looked in a while, maybe all season. Because I mean, we've talked about that a lot. How they they have no identity. Um, not really bringing a whole lot of energy or offense, uh, but it was nice to see uh, them come together. Angelo get a goal. Um, but yeah, just uh, a complete, uh, a complete effort. Yeah, Taylor, don't don't be uh, hijacking our second segment. <laughs> Talk about the fourth line, yeah. uh, Dave. Dave, you watched. Uh, I think you you had described it earlier before in our setup here for this uh, podcast as workmanlike. Uh, what stood out, if anything, to you? Uh, nothing, really. I mean, it was uh, workmanlike is, I think, the best way to describe it. When, you know, when they're uh, putting together their highlights video at the end of the year, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of space devoted to this game. Uh, you know, they did what they had to do to uh, to beat a bad team. You know, they caught a few breaks along the way. Buffalo seemed to... Uh, put about a half dozen shots off of goalposts. Well, they had 12 giveaways too. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, perhaps uh, if, if those shots had been on goal, Tristan Jari would have stopped them. You know, it's as uh, Tom Barrasso uh, once observed, uh, do you want me to stop the ones that aren't on goal too? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that could apply here, but you know, this, yeah. You know, this was a, they, they did what they had to do. We, we keep talking about the Sabres, about like they're, they're awful top to bottom. One, we have to mention though, the one area where they are very good is the power play um, coming into this. I mean, their power play was fifth in the, in the league, um, obviously without Eichel, but, um, but I mean, the, the Sabres did have two power play opportunities tonight. They did shut them down. The, the penalty kill did look good. So it's not just, you know, uh, showing up against an awful team. The, the, the one, probably the best, you know, part of the Sabres game that they have, they did, they were able to shut that down too. And let's be honest here. I mean, we, we talked about this in our last podcast about the stretch of games uh, that, that, that the Penguins are currently in. You got to win these games. I mean, these games all count the same in the standings and you got to make hay against these, these bottom dwellers in this division because it, the, the standings are so, uh, so tightly compacted one through five. So, you know, you've got to find ways to win games and workmanlike or not, uh, they, they continue to find ways to win games. Uh, Tristan Jari continues to find ways to win games. And I think one of the, 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 the recent developments that we have highlighted here, Dave, 
uh, is the kind of resurgence of Evgeny Malkin and on his line, Kasperi Kapanen, and they uh, they combined for the first goal tonight. Yeah, time. yeah, they've uh, they've developed a, a very nice chemistry between those two, uh, and it was uh, <laughs> certainly a nice bit of teamwork on on the first goal where uh, you know they uh, broke in uh, to the Buffalo end with uh, Malkin trailing. Kapanen and Kapanen looked for all the world like he was going to shoot, uh, but instead slid a, uh, a drop pass to Malkin, who put it into a uh, vacated portion of the net. Um, no, they've uh, there. There's a there's a, a nice uh, nice chemistry, uh, you know, in progress there, and it certainly uh, would be uh, to the Penguins' benefit if that would persist. And also Malkin picking up his 14th assist on the season on a power play goal. So, again, that's a, another good sign. That was uh, in the second period with Jake Gensel's uh, ninth goal of the season. Um, Crosby should just quarterback the power play from below the goal line. I feel like <laughs> some of his best that's moments like. on the power play are from, like, below the goal line. Um, and, that, I mean, that, that's what happened on that, that Gensel goal. They should – I don't <laughs> – can't hurt. Yeah, and one thing we want to uh, let our listeners know, uh, next week, Kapanen's father, Sammy, on the show, and uh, people I think will enjoy that, uh, finding, you know, listening to what he thinks uh, Kasperi is capable of uh, if he stays on one of these first two lines, and why wouldn't he end if he gets a little power play time? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't all good news tonight. Uh uh, Taylor, can you kind of update us on what's going on with John Marino? Maintenance day, and then he was not in the lineup thurs, uh, Thursday. I asked Sullivan uh, for an update on Marino after the game. Uh, he said day-to-day with an upper body injury. Didn't say anything else other that they're just going to evaluate him day by day. Um, so not ideal. Um, so Chad Ruedel stepped in in his, in his place. Not um, Ruedel looked pretty good before uh, before he came out of the lineup, and um, if, if Marino is out for, for any amount of time, uh, I mean, Rui Dolly is a solid option on that right side. And then uh, Friedman I th- pr- might be coming back soon. Uh, he's eligible to come off of IR, I think, Friday. Um, so I, I don't think uh, there, it, it, it didn't sound like anything significant with Marino. I mean, if it, it was just originally a maintenance day, not that bad. But uh, they, they do have options if he is out, you know, next game. And Dave, one of the things that we've consistently talked about this year and because of the line's consistency, the third line again chips in with a, with a big goal after, after Buffalo tied it, uh, made it 1-1 uh, in the – right after uh, – made it 1-1 in the first period. Brandon Tanev with his sixth goal of the year, uh, Bluger on the assist. That line just continues to find ways to impact games, does it not? Yes, it certainly does. And has anyone noticed that Brandon Tanev can skate a little? Uh, that's uh, yeah. That I you know, that was uh, another pretty impressive uh, show of his skating ability there. Uh, yeah, the you know, you, you need a, a a good third line, and you know that that group with the, you know Aston Reese being the third member of it. Um, continues to to play well, you know, night after night. That's uh, 
that that's been a very uh, nice and productive group for the Penguins. And Taylor, those guys are good stories. I mean, Tanef waited a long time to really get his chance four years in college, uh, sat out a few years before he even went to college because he was just so small. And Bluger, who spent a long time, four parts mm-hmm. of four seasons in the minors, uh, those two uh, really seem to be uh, have a real nice chemistry uh, among them. Yeah, I mean, they've played together a while. They were together, I mean, all of last season when they were healthy, uh, right. when everyone was healthy, when, when it was possible. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they, they, have, they have great chemistry, and, and they, they all bring something different to that line. I mean, Tanev, uh, that, I mean, that goal, he, he made that happen with, with his speed, with his skating. Um, I mean, Tanev, yeah, that, his, just the energy he brings, Bluger, um, good defensively. Aston is very good defensively, and he's been scoring um, uh, for this season, too. We're just getting started here on the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. Stick with us. We're going to bat around a couple of topics here in the second segment before we welcome uh, Kevin DuPont uh, to preview the upcoming set of games uh, with the Boston Bruins, who uh, certainly were a team that when this season started, I think a lot of people had them at the top of the division. Uh, They've struggled with some injuries, but but those are certainly two big games coming up. So stick around with us, and we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back uh, to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. Uh, we're about a month away from the trade deadline. Uh, and it's the first year in a while with no Jim Rutherford. So usually Jim Rutherford would, there would always be some kind of sh- big shakeup or some kind of surprise move. Uh, but with a team that um, doesn't have a ton of assets to move, and where the money's probably going to have to uh, match up to make any kind of sense in anything major. Uh, I think this year you would maybe look for a maybe a little bit lower key trade deadline, but every team still has needs that are competing for the playoffs and the cup. I wanted to get your guys' take on if you could tweak one thing uh, right now for the stretch drive, uh, what would it be, uh, whether it be up front, in the back, uh, Dave, uh, let's start with you. Uh, I guess if I had to identify one thing uh, that it would help them to add would be a, uh, a physical presence on their defense. Uh, you can't beat up opposing forwards uh, around your net anymore the, the way you used to be able to. But still having, having a guy uh, with some, some muscle there uh, somebody who, who can move opponents around, uh, get physical position on them, uh, that sort of thing. I get, you know, if uh, if I were looking to uh, strengthen one spot, that would probably be it. Taylor? Yeah, so their, their fourth line is obviously 
pretty bad. No identity, but um, I mean, Aston Reese Blugertanev is a good. That would be a good fourth line. They're just playing third line right now because um, they are the best option. I think if the Penguins could go out and get like an actual third line and have Aston Reese Blugertanev as your fourth line, um, I mean that would be great. It's it's hard. So like Rodriguez could probably play on that line. So I don't know if you would need to add you know one or two pieces to really fill out that line I don't think Jankowski would would be an option for a good third line if, if they're going to try to build that up um and I've talked it a few times bef- uh, about it a few times before that I think the asset that you would move out to to get someone like that um you're probably looking at like a, a left-handed defenseman probably uh Dumoulin or, or Pedersen would get you the biggest return um since they are young, they do have, you know, decent contracts and um, they're good enough to get you to return. So I would I would try to build up a third line and then have Aston Reese Bligertan of beer fourth. I would – man, it would, it would be hard for me right now, and, and I completely understand what you're saying, uh, Taylor. It would be hard for me to move uh, Dumoulin right now. Uh, it would probably be hard for, for Latang to see him go. But again, to give to get something, you have to give up something. If 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 Petter, if, if you could get Pedersen, if you could get a, I, I I would actually I'll aim my sights even a little bit lower because I'm I'm okay with the third line that they have right now. But they do. It, I'll I'll agree that they need something in the bottom six to help put an identity back in the, the fourth line. I mean, this, that third line is as as the way it's set up uh, is fine the way it is. And, and Taylor, your point to your point, it would be great if that could be the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if if they're going to have the the assets enough to build up a really really good third line. This, they may just have to go with that. I but they have to. I agree with you. They have to find something somewhere in there to make that round out that bottom six with another good player and whether it's a physical presence, someone who could also help killing penalties uh, because they just, they just seem to be throwing things out there. And occasionally uh, the the games play well, occasionally they'll have a a good game here or there, but there's been no consistency. Uh, Maybe when Zucker comes back uh, and, and, and some guys move back down the lineup, you mentioned Rodriguez, that may be an answer, but if, if but if I well, that might come too late or not at all. I mean, because right. uh, he's out longer term. Um, after you know he was injured, Sullivan, you know, was asked, you know, is this you know potential like w- will he come back for the regular season? And Sullivan didn't have an answer. He said he didn't. Um, they didn't want to say. Just it sounds yeah, it sounds like they don't know. He said every player reacts to injuries differently. We prefer to leave it right. at longer term and then just you know see how it goes. So. Uh, they might not get Zucker back, and and that that plays a role here too. Because if we're talking about you know long term injured reserve, and uh, if they'd you know be able to dip into any of that relief they get from from Zucker being out, um, I mean if he's going to come back, you have to be cap compliant for him to come back. Um, but if he's not coming back until the playoffs, then you know they can afford to go out and add pieces, um, and then he can come back for the playoffs when there's no cap fine. So. Uh, that that plays a role here too. Oh, and Tom, yeah. you you mentioned the, uh, you know the the players moving on and off the fourth line. I think that uh, actually reflects part of the issue here, and that's that I'm not sure they've decided what they want that fourth line to be. Yeah, 
And until you decide exactly what it is that you want that group to provide, you know, I, I don't know that you can uh, settle on the personnel to, to do that, uh, you know, to figure out who they need to bring in. I mean, personally, I think, you know, the, the first piece I would bring in, in there would, would be a center. Um, you know, Mark Jankowski, after uh, getting a really promising offensive start in the first couple games of the season, has just vanished, you know, yes. in, in terms of that. He's not very good on face-offs. Um, I don't see anything special about his penalty killing. So I think he's eminently replaceable. Um, I don't, but, but I, I don't know that bringing in a center is, is all of a sudden going to allow you to, you know, establish an identity for that group. Redeem Zahorna would be an upgrade over Jankowski. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Taylor, what's, 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 what could, could they possibly bring up, uh, to, to help that, 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 that bottom line. Uh, from Wilkes-Barre, I mean, Redeem Zahorna, um, the six foot six Czech guy they signed out of the, the Czech league over there. Um, I, I, even then, I don't, it, it's hard to, he's, he's transitioned really well to, to the North American game. I don't, um, you know, I can't say how he'll do in the NHL, but I mean, for a big guy like that, you know, six, six, there's always probably going to be um, concerned about his skating. It's probably gonna be the first thing, but I haven't seen that from him watching him in Wilkes-Barre. Um, he he moves really well, you know. It not even just for a big guy. Like he he skates he skates like like a guy much smaller. He has good hands, um, good on faceoffs. I I don't have the exact numbers because the AHL doesn't track that. Um, but he is good on faceoffs. I mean, he plays on the power play, um, chips in offensively, uh, five on five. I he's not even though he's that big. He's probably not the most um, physical guy that you know someone you'd want on that fourth line. I. I think he could play that way, um, but he's not. Uh, yeah, he's he's not a, like an enforcer type, uh, and I know he's never dropped the gloves ever. So if people want like a fighter, um, he is not that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he he'd be an upgrade over Jankowski for sure. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I'm not necessarily. I mean, there's not a lot of guys in the league. I mean, in the division, everyone's always talking. Well, you got to combat Tom Tom Wilson. Well, you're, first of all, there aren't very many Tom Wilsons out there. And secondly, you're not going to – I don't know if you're going to add somebody, especially in, in the playoffs, for one guy. So I, I don't I'm, – I'm not really concerned with that. I, I just, again, to – as one of you two just pointed out, I think it was Dave, first of all, identify what this line is going to be and then find someone who fits it. And if it's if, – if, if Zucker does come back in time – Rodriguez may be just one more piece to it. And if you, if you can add to it, or as Dave mentioned, maybe it is a, a defenseman that gives you a little bit more bite uh, than what they have back there right now. One place that has not bothered them that they seem to play just fine, no matter who's in the lineup is at home. Um, and the Penguins right now are 11, two and O uh, on home ice and really streaking, uh, except for the hiccup uh, last week against Philadelphia where they blew the big early lead. They have been really impressive at home. And this leads to this question, assuming they make the playoffs, and if they keep playing this well at home, they're probably going to. Is home ice advantage a big deal uh, this year? 
given the fact that they are playing this well. I know historically it's not all, it doesn't always pan, pan out that way, but they or Taylor, where do you go there? Is, is, is it worth fighting to get that home ice advantage this year, uh, given how well they're playing at home? Yeah. Um, like you said, they're 11 and two at home. Uh, I mean, it can't uh, hurt to have the home ice advantage. Uh, they have been really good at home this season, uh, even without the fans. I mean, we're, we're seeing that around around the league. I think that that was a debate coming into the season. Is that like, would there be an advantage to playing at home during the regular season? And there is, even though you, you, you don't have the crowd energy uh, for the most part uh, and around the league that you would normally have. Uh, we've talked about it before, how um, the, the face-off advantage is, is, I think, maybe minimal, but um, or like, you know, last change minimal, but just, just players being comfortable being at home, uh, I think play, plays a, plays a role here. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it can't hurt to have that. Dave, jump in there. Well, I mean, I, I don't think they should, uh, you know, try to avoid getting home ice certainly. Uh, but I don't know that they should prioritize it either. I, I wouldn't, if I were them, make personnel decisions late in the season uh, with the uh, hopes of getting, you know, first or second place in the division so that they'd have home ice at least in the, in the first round of the playoffs. Um, You know, history tells us that, you know, when you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Um, And, you know, in, in the case of the Penguins, that's kind of underscored by their history in game sevens where they have never lost one on the road. And I believe they're under 500 uh, when, when they play them at home and have suffered some of the most devastating defeats in franchise history in, in game sevens uh, on, on home ice. So yeah, you know, it's uh, given the choice. Yeah. I guess you'd rather be at home. But uh, that is neither a guarantee of success nor is, uh, you know, not having home ice advantage. Uh, does that necessarily doom you to uh, failure? Tom Barrasso still looking for that David Volokh shot. <laughs> um, I will say that I, I, I wonder, uh, Taylor, you had mentioned this at the end of your, your last comments. And, and I do wonder this year, uh, given uh, – all of the COVID restrictions and the restrictions that we're seeing in the league, if there is a, maybe a little bit more to kind of being at home this year, because when you're on the road, there seems like uh, the league is doing very, or having these guys, they're on them pretty hard about what they can do uh, on the road. And, And I do wonder if there's just a little bit more comfort level right now playing at home, the arenas themselves. I, do you guys, do you guys, put anything into the stock of the bounces in, in in the boards, that kind of stuff and knowing, knowing your grounds that that's maybe more of a baseball type of thing and knowing your field and the dimensions of your field. But is there anything to why they would be playing better this year uh, at, at home? Uh, just having the familiarity of that rink, uh, the lively caroms, that kind of stuff. I was going to say that that's more of like a minor league hockey thing because that definitely is a thing in minor league hockey where, you know, some some buildings are, are very different than others. Uh, like the Wheeling Nailers, their, their rink isn't even regulation size. But, I mean, in the NHL, I think that difference might be minimal. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the boards at Joe Louis Arena uh, were extremely lively. 
but you know, the, I, I don't know that there's any place in, in the league now where, where there's any, anything about a, a home ice yeah. setting that is that pronounced, uh, you know, that, that would benefit a home team that would, that would be, you know, aware of the, uh, the nuances of, uh, of a given rink. Have you guys, either one of you noticed the, the, the kickboards being a little more lively this year at PPG arena, or maybe I'm just watching so many more games of covering the Penguins. Cause I've seen uh, multiple times this year where the pucks have shot out uh, at, at, at players that I, maybe I haven't noticed in the past. Maybe it's always been that way. They just seem livelier than I, I I've seen in the past. I can't honestly say that I've noticed that, but uh, you know, I can't offer you any uh, data to, uh, to back up my, you know, my observation. <laughs> it's a hard one. Taylor. Yeah, no, I haven't noticed anything like that either. Okay. And on that note, we will move on to our third segment and uh, preview the team that's, that's up next after the Sabres. That's the Boston Bruins. And we'll be joined by Kevin DuPont from the Boston Globe. Stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast, and we are delighted uh, uh, to have Kevin DuPont from the Boston Globe, the esteemed Kevin DuPont from the Boston Globe, and he's going to talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming series with the Bruins. Uh, Kevin, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. Great to be with you guys. Kevin, uh, the Bruins entered the season, I think, as a pretty popular choice to win the uh reconfigured East division and certainly got off to what seemed like a pretty good start. Uh, what's happened since then? Yeah, they had a very good first month, but this last month or so has been, uh, you know, less than 500 over the last 10 games. And what's happened is a number of things. Uh, the, the biggest question mark going in is not the current question mark. The biggest question mark going in was the defense and losing Tory Krug and and letting Zdeno Chara leave and putting some kids in. And that was actually working quite well until they got some injuries back there. So they've been without Lausanne of late. Uh, they've been without uh, Kevin Miller, who was coming back from uh, a couple of uh, uh, shattered knees or shattered kneecap. And then, of course, Tom Wilson went crazy last week and you know that story seven game suspension for his hit on brandon carlo but all that said they've even patched in okay on the defense the truth of the matter is where they're weakest of all is that they can't score and and that's been an issue here uh for quite some times in terms of secondary scoring everyone knows the big line <clears throat> left to right of course being marshawn bergeron and, and pasternak but after that they have struggled for quite some time a couple of years more to try to patch that up and get good under, you know, underneath scoring, secondary scoring. And that's been virtually non-existent uh, this year. And that's, that's their current plight is they can't score. They're, they're uh, messing around with some changes. Sweeney, Don Sweeney, the general manager yesterday talked about maybe making some deals or trying some other things, but for now offense dead in the water. 
You mentioned uh, the defense uh, a couple games ago. They added uh, Jared Tenorti. He's someone he was in the Penguins organization three years ago uh, in Wilkes-Barre. I remember talking to him, writing about, you know, how he's a good physical presence would you know do well up in Pittsburgh. He never got a shot in Pittsburgh. It seems like he's made a pretty good first impression in Boston. What have you seen from him? Yeah, he's done okay. Uh, you know, I, I watched his father play, and <laughs> he's not as – He's not his father's image in terms of uh, overall game, but as you noted, he's uh, <clears throat> Taylor. He's he's a big guy, um, and he did endear himself here because the night that Wilson took the big run at Carlo and injured him and gave him a concussion, uh, Tenorti did step in, and they've needed that. They've needed some uh, physical presence in that sense. Uh, you know, we can we can talk long and hard about the importance of fighting in today's game, but. In that situation, somebody had to respond to it, and he did that. I don't know what else he can do. Uh, he's certainly not nimble with the puck, uh, but they didn't get him for that. Uh, as you know, the words of uh, uh, Coach Bruce Cassidy, they wanted some size and stiffness back there, and and they've got that in him. He, he seems like a good guy, and 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 you know what? That that can play a long way in that uh, defenseman number six, seven, eight role, guy to fill in. People like him. You know, maybe maybe he'll get a bit of a run here. Yeah, and he, I know he fought. You know, uh, Tom Wilson before before he came to Wilkes-Barre. And when I talked to him, he joked that he thought he uh, he hoped that that would earn him some points at Penguins fans, but uh, never got a shot here. Yeah. Um, t- what can you tell us about Tuka Rask? Uh, I saw he's not playing uh, Thursday night. I lingering thing. Uh, what do you know about that? C- could he be back in time to play the Penguins? I think he could be. That said, we don't know the severity of the injury. We never know severity of injuries here, uh, which is true throughout much of the NHL. But in his last start, which he, he's been playing extremely well, he's been their best chance of winning, as, as is often the case. Uh, in his last start, in the last couple of minutes, he got dinged up in a in a goal mouth uh, pileup and made his way to the bench. You could see he was. it looked as if he was favoring his lower back. He did not make the trip. Uh, for the next game, which was on Long Island. He's not dressing Thursday night against against Rangers. So we'll see where that goes. If, if they're going to struggle there too now, if this is a long-term injury, which they're not saying, uh, they, they'd be in real trouble. They'd be in real trouble to hang on to the fourth spot. Uh, Kevin, have you, have you ever seen a goalie leave the crease the way he did a couple of weeks ago against the Rangers? Yeah. <laughs> that is one of the strangest things uh, I, I, I've ever seen in hockey. Yeah, for those listening who aren't aware of the facts on it, he, he basically left the net thinking that they were behind. I, I forget what the time was on the clock, a couple of minutes or a minute and a half. So he's racing off so they can get the extra man on the ice when, in truth, the score was tied. <laughs> so it was, you know, Mo Larry the cheese. Everybody gets back. and, and uh, But, you know, no worse, no worse for wear. They didn't score, but it, it did look rather silly. I, I suppose, you know, to, to – there's a lot as with every goalie you can criticize them day and night I think what it points that it points to is they get so uh focused on stopping the next shot and and just staying you know staying reading plays focusing on the next shot frankly I'm surprised that sort of stuff doesn't happen more often uh but it did look it does look pretty funny there's no segue to this but as we record here on, on Thursday uh, you know, this is kind of for people, in, at least in Pittsburgh, it was the last game. It was the game that was supposed to happen in Columbus uh, a year ago. And then, you know, the whole world changes with the pandemic. 
And one of the one of the big stories in the bubbles uh, was Tuca leaving. Uh, Tuca had some family issues, and there were some people, uh, no names, but there were people out there that wanted how he would be received by his teammates. And at the time, it seemed like an odd comment. And even now, just the, the, how he's playing, I, I would have to think everything is fine with Tuca and the Bruins. If you could answer that and then speak to the bigger issue of going with what these players are going through with having to deal with this semi-isolation for almost a year now, at least when they're playing. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack on that one. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't think Tuca would have necessarily a, an issue with his teammates because, uh, well, for a lot of reasons, he's got this, a certain amount of equity built with them. Uh, they do like him. Uh, you know, all goalies have their stuff, of course. What, what I questioned at the time was because this wasn't the first time with Tuca in terms of, uh, if you will, leaving. Uh, he had two years ago, he, he abruptly took a leave of absence because things weren't right at home. Uh, this was the situation again, uh, to a different degree, saying that it was his one of his uh, youngest children needed some medical assistance. Uh, which was a different story than the team was saying that morning when he left the bubble. They were saying there was no emergency at home. So again, uh, you know, the, the circumstances around the leaving were a bit strange. I just felt at that time that this was a franchise that, you know, every general manager likes control. Don Sweeney loves control, doesn't like variables out of place. Uh, and you've got to count on your goaltender. So I, I thought over the summer they had the latitude to trade them in terms of contract. Uh, uh, obviously, they didn't. They should feel happy that they didn't because he's, he's quite, he has played quite well for them. Uh, the overall thing about question about the dynamics of bubble and semi-bubble, um, I don't know if we'll, we'll be fully able to assess that maybe ever, but maybe down the road a, a easier way, easier time with it. But certainly, you know, watching those two teams, Dallas and Tampa, go all the way, you could tell they were it, it had been an emotional toll on them to be in the bubble for that long, uh, isolated from uh, their families, of course, girlfriends, family. Uh, even in the bubble, it was an artificial existence, of course, in terms of not being able to leave campus. And they're still doing that to a degree, as you know. Uh, right. Uh, they're asked to stay home when they when they when they're here. When they're on the road, uh, they're they're still kind of bound to the hotel. Uh, so it, it's it's hey, we're all living this to a degree, right? Or we all right. we all probably should be anyway. Those of us who can follow the mandates, uh, and that's not possible for everybody. There are some people who have to go, are forced to go out the door just to just to make the living and pay the bills and. Uh, and we have to sympathize with all of them. That's not the case with these guys, right? right. Uh, they make a lot of money. Uh, uh, it, I think it's simple for us, and I think it's an oversimplification to say, well, they make their millions and you know, uh, pitch up and 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 get with it. And, and but it's I think uh, isolation is always hard, uh, no matter what the circumstance. And and they're living it to varying degrees. Uh, and uh, I, I think right now in the Bruins lineup. I, I think it's had its toll on Jake DeBrusque. They they scratched him in the last game at Long Island. He's back in Thursday night against the Rangers, but his game has gone to hell in a handbasket, uh, not producing at all. And I do underneath wonder if maybe 
single guy. He's lived this life now for the better part of a year. Maybe that's getting to him. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, whether, yeah, whether uh, there's a bubble or not, or regardless of what the circumstances are in the postseason, do you think the Bruins have the makings of a team that could contend for a cup? And if there is a piece or two missing uh, that could be obtained by the trade deadline that, that could get them to that status, uh, what would it be? So can they? I, I think I think we've seen enough, Dave, that if if you can get if you can get into the round of sixteen, really one of the sixteen teams that qualify, you're good enough to get in there. And if you've got a goalie, you're good enough to win, right? Uh, but that said, I, I don't think they're serious contenders. I, I don't. I didn't feel that way going in anyway. Uh, but for a different reason, I, I felt that the the back line would be too inexperienced for them really to contend for contend for a cup what we have found since is that they don't have the underlying scoring to contend for it but in a perfect world if if they could get the the back end patched up which did look to be adequate uh then what where they have would have to address most of all is is finding you know more meat on the bone here for lines two and three scoring uh i suppose it could be line four score wherever it comes from but that that's where they're that's where they're weakest. And they, that's not new. They went out and made a deal two or three years ago on Rick Nash. Uh, and that might've been the right answer had he not gotten concussed right away when he showed up. Uh, so this isn't new. Uh, I, I think it's a little starker in that the second line they envisioned here left to right was DeBrusque, uh, Krejci and Kosh, Andres Kosh, who they had picked up from uh, Anaheim at the trade deadline last year. So DeBrusca's done nothing. Kosh went out of the lineup uh, in the second game of the season. And Krejci has zero goals. I think he's got 11 assists, which is good, uh, but zero goals. So they've got zero even strength goals from what they felt would be their second line. So that's that's where they've got to get help. Uh, the young kids, some of the young kids they hoped would grow into this role, be it Carson Coleman, uh, Anders Bjork, Jack Stodnika, uh, and uh, of late now, uh, Zach Sinitian, one of their first-round picks in 2015. There's really no one who's producing. All right. Kevin, thank you so much. You know, we, we appreciate it, and uh, take care and enjoy the rest of the season, however long that is. And that'll do it for us here on the 66-87 to 87 podcast. Uh, For Taylor Haas, Dave Molinari, and our guest, Kevin DuPont, this is Tom Reed. We'll see you next time on DK Sports Radio.